Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. There he is, smelling beautiful, as always. Uh, And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. Thank you to patrons including Raphael, Craig York, James Strangeway, Aaron Everett, Miles Clannell. We've also got Mark R. and Neil Fisher, who increased their pledges or joined for the first time this week. Wonderful. Welcome. And all of those are supporting us directly. You can join them and get access to our full-length ad-free show and our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK Tech. And there's another benefit that I haven't really explained much, but we talk for a good 20 to 25 minutes before the main show starts. People in our live stream, uh, and all patrons get access to our live stream, um, have benefited from this. But um, this week was quite in-depth in terms of our exploration of how I used to exploit my brother (laughs) and also Ian and I's recommendations for things to watch on Netflix and Amazon Prime if you're into science fiction all of that is in our pre-show which goes out uh, as part of the unedited version of the show uh, as well as live obviously as we record it so just some bonus content that you uh, may not be aware exists but all of that is available at patreon.com forward slash UK tech now Probably not a surprise, we're going to touch on this briefly this week. (laughs) E-scooters are now legal in the UK. I was writing about this for Bloomberg this week, of course, after the government published the rules that companies must follow if they wish to deploy the electric vehicles on roads. Now, there are caveats. This is not a free-for-all. Firstly, only scooters rented from companies like Bird, Lime, uh, Voy, Tear, Spin, Dot, Wind. They all have... Pretty much all of them have four letters in their name. But anyway, uh, that's not a caveat, uh, rather, that's not a prerequisite, but but you have to be one of those types of companies in order to roll out legal scooters. Uh, If, like me, you own your own scooter, uh, they remain illegal, technically. Oh, great. What a logical piece of lawmaking. There is logic to that, but we'll come back to that in a a moment. The legal update was published basically to enable large-scale trials of e-scooters as a way of helping lockdown ease uh, without basically making everyone have to jump on traditional public transport. It's a bit greener at the point of use as well, um, and uh, means people can travel around cities while socially distancing. Um, And they were allowed to begin from this weekend, specifically the 4th of July, yesterday at the time of recording. Uh, They can last up to 12 months, according to the Department for Transport, which also said it's going to closely monitor the activity, you know, how people use the scooters, as well as public feedback, with a view to fully legalising scooters, including ones that are privately owned in future. Now, Many of the world's biggest scooter companies, such as those mentioned earlier, have all said they're planning on rolling out trials. And I have to say, Ian, actually, I I was chatting to a few of the CEOs uh, this week while reporting on all this, and and it's amazing that they're having call after call 
with city officials to try and win them over to let them launch their scooters in their cities because the cities themselves really, really want the scooters. So there's a real demand and a huge amount of supply and they're moving really, really quickly and pushing very, very hard individually, all these companies are, um, to try and make sure that their scooters are the ones that are seen in streets because they all think they have the best ethics and the best hardware and so on and so forth and the most the most experience. So there is definitely definitely a very very high chance that if you live in one of the bigger cities or large towns in the uk over the next two or three weeks you will start seeing these scooters however ian there are some restrictions on the scooters allowed on roads we now have the final text of what those restrictions are firstly the scooter must not have a seat that's really really important it has to be standing only It also must not weigh more than 55 kilograms. Uh, And crucially, this is something that's very different from other countries. You must hold a form of driver's license in order to rent one. What? Now, that can be a provisional learner license for a car, which to me makes it feel a little bit even stranger. Like, I don't know. I don't know what similarities there are other than having to pay attention to roads and perhaps have some knowledge of uh the highway codes and things like that but you don't need to have the knowledge to get the license you literally just send off for one and you get yeah. given one then you, you can have, have ability a... to fill in a form basically and the maximum speed on all of these models will be electronically restricted to 15.5 miles an hour now this is actually a few miles per hour faster than we expected the government to allow i think we thought it was gonna be about 11 or 12 so this is it's it's faster and they can be heavier than we previously thought they would be. And that latter point actually has drawn some criticism, specifically from the RNIB, the the Royal National Institute of Blind People. And its chair, a woman called Eleanor Southwood, said, uh, quote, it's really clear that even with all the safeguards, we do consider e-scooters to be a real and genuine threat to the ability of blind and partially sighted people to move around independently and safely. Uh, and she said the RNIB as well was surprised that the uh, the speed limit had been increased from what we all thought it was going to be. Uh, John asks in the chat right now, by the way, key point, do you have to wear a helmet with a rented scooter? No, you do not. It is recommended as far as the text goes, but it is not a prerequisite. Uh, which well, is even... It would be unenforceable, that's why, because it, it, is, for, it is for cycles. What, what I find interesting is the um, the controversy over... The speed and the weight and the visibility of these scooters, considering that an e-bike would go at a similar speed, be similarly visible, uh, similarly audible, I would say, to um, to people, whether blind, partially sighted or or fully sighted or or, or otherwise. And so I kind of feel like, you know, even with my personal bias, to one side i sort of feel like if it follows the same rules as cyclists are supposed to follow then this should be fine and should work but there's no there's no requirement for cyclists to have passed any sort of test or have a driving license well this is this is a change to legislation to allow these trials to continue so that one of the reasons why this is a trial why there are needs for this to be a rental service rather than uh, just a free for all is partly to gather the evidence and to gather the feedback before making wholesale change to to legislation which in the UK some of the actual active 
in use today legislation dates back to the early 19th century. But I don't, how does that help them gather any information? No, you can't just say, we want to trial this and just say, well, we'll ignore the law because we want to trial it. They have to, they have to create a framework that doesn't directly contradict the whole law in order to allow a trial before wholesale pushing through an updated um, bill and actually changing the underlying text of road law. You're, you're somewhat of a scooter expert in that you've owned several. You're obviously very aware of what is and isn't available. Uh, do, do So, for example, the speed thing. Is it your experience that most scooters don't exceed 15.5 miles an hour? Most, most that are rented do not. Um, right, but the ones you can buy? Oh, yeah, mine, mine, mine goes well over 20. Right. Okay. So, I mean, so I I can sort of see that. I can sort of see the fact that they want to uh, create an infrastructure where there's restrictions, but these things are too hard to legislate for. Like, the police are not going to be stopping people going 20 miles an hour instead of 15. It's, they're not going to notice. It's too hard to tell unless they radar gun you, which I really think would be a terrible waste of everyone's time. Mm. Um, And then said, oh, you're going too quick. Well, you know, there's lots of reasons you might be going quickly. If you were going downhill, presumably the scooter doesn't stop you from going more than that. Does it? It does, If you're Oh, it does. So it uses the the motor to break the thing so it doesn't go ever over 15 miles an hour. That's right. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Well, okay. So I can sort of see, I can sort of see the point of having them limited, but lots of people already have scooters. Lots of people are already using them. Now, all this does is mean that the police are going to look at them and go, well, that could be a rented scooter. I don't know. I don't care. I'm not going to make any, not interested. So, (laughs) excuse me. So it enables people to use their existing scooters without, in the same way, breaking the law as they were, although they are still technically breaking the law. The whole thing's a mess. I I feel like what they should have done was said, here's the deal. Um, you know, scooters sold now will be, if they want to be used in the UK, they must be electrically limited to 15.5 miles an hour, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but again, I, th- I feel like this is very London specific, right? Or no, is this it isn't. This is UK wide, UK wide. And it wouldn't work because e-scooters themselves are not illegal. They're illegal for use on British on, on public roads. So sure. it wouldn't work to sell one that is restricted at the point of purchase, I don't think, because you may be buying one for use on your own land. Um, if you w- you live might and, be, yeah. live and work on a farm, having that restriction is just not, it's not really fair. So that is an issue. And, and you know, in, you look at what Germany's done. So Germany legalized e-scooters only... I think it's within the last year and they had some of the strictest rules that anywhere has imposed on the on scooters you know they were speed limited but they were they had even specifics down to the the angle that the lights must point in terms of making sure that they were visible at night um they had issues where you know every single one had to have a registration plate and a license number so everything can be tracked and a lot of it is down to it's a down. It's down to accountability because the law says you need insurance. Well, you can't get that if you're a private owner. But if you have insurance because you have rented it from a company that is paying it on your behalf, albeit without you being aware of it necessarily, then that again brings it apparently within the rule of the law. So there are lots and lots of reasons I think why these restrictions and things are in place it's because the law says you have to have a license to use something like this you have to have insurance well we can do that through the rental company um this is basically how they fudged it 
and that's why <clears throat> these are in place. I see what you mean because if they're going to then make them legal, um, or you know, and 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 include people's own scooters in those, uh, then they go then then that that law will have to apply to them. So people will have to have insurance again. This is not what's true of bikes. So the whole thing just feels completely out of kilter to me. I don't, I don't feel like I, scooters I, I honestly, are more dangerous than bikes. I don't. That's, think, that's my main thing. I don't think you will need insurance when. At such point, this law passes. The need to have the license and 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 a kind of insurance is because you can't. They can't change what the law is without changing the law. They're not changing the law here. They have come up with a framework that says, "Look, this is how we're going to do a trial." But the text of the law says you need a license, so you need one with your name on it. It doesn't have to be relevant to scooters, but you have to have one because the law says you have to. And same with insurance coming from a rental company. It's, it's, a, it's a need for accountability and tracking and, and things like that. So I don't, but I don't is think there, it will be necessary in the, in the end. Is there any law around bikes? There are bicycle laws. Yeah, I mean, like you're not allowed to ride a bicycle drunk. But they're different, yeah, again, very different laws because they don't have motors. They're yeah, not, they're not propelled, but some of them do. Some of them do, but they're still clat- classified as as um, as bikes. So it's the same as e-bikes, and that's what they're going for. Really, they want they want scooters. I say they, the companies that make them and rent them. They want scooters to be treated the same as an e-bike, which makes a lot of sense because they have a similar level of visibility. They go similar speeds. They're used for similar purposes. Um, and for that, and in that context, no, you don't need a license. But but there are still restrictions. Like you can't get. You can't have ten pints and get on a bike, cause a crash, well, and be be immune, even though you were hammered. Well, but you kind of can because you're not immediately. I, I don't. I mean, you. It probably wouldn't happen, but because you, you're not you're not likely to cause a mass scale incident on a bike if you're drunk. You're going to do what I did, and you're going to slide off it uh, under the London Eye and scuff your knee and badly damage your ankle. But um, but ultimately, there's not. There's very unlikely to be any prosecution based on your drunkenness there surely would. it's not would there really yeah there is a 140 year old law for being drunk in charge of a pedal bicycle okay fine i mean it stands to reason that people shouldn't be on bikes if they're drunk but yeah at the same time it's not it's not likely that you would cause an accident on a bike but yes i, I take the point i imagine there'll be plenty of people who disagree with you Probably, yeah. Um, yeah um, no, but maybe that's true. where we should end this because we're at the <laughs> end of our knowledge now. But um, if you want to tell us a thing, send it to our email and you can use our brand new email address that doesn't cost Oh, we've cost got 100... another new email address. Hurrah. Yeah, because this one doesn't cost £100 a year. Oh, uh, good. And it is uktechshow at icloud.com. The next web wrote this week that McDonald's in the UK is rolling out EV fast chargers at its restaurants. The UK arm of the fast food chain is reportedly installing hundreds of chargers at its locations around the country after agreeing a partnership with Instavolt, according to uh, an additional write-up in Independent. Instavolt. Instavolt, yeah. yeah. Sounds like something from Robot Wars, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yeah. Hmm. Or a very um, sort of nice way of describing an electric chair. Also, it's it's kind of uh, it's both 
very good description and very bad description because I, I imagine the vaults are instant, um, but it won't charge the car instantly. But I suppose that's, yeah, you know, the vaults are instant. Speed is implicit in the name, isn't it? It, it, it is. It, is, but it, but it's, it's not, it's not true. Well, when you get to the fact about how quick it is, you'll find out that it is actually quite quick. Let's see what else we've got. The next web said that that while the burger chain hasn't given a specific number of restaurants that will get the charges, it said the units will be installed in its drive-through locations, and there's about just under a thousand of those across the UK and Northern Ireland. Um, and the Instavolt charges are meant to be the fast ones, which suits because this is going in drive-throughs and will give you up to 125 kilowatts of power to your ev um while you're delivering the big mac to your face as the blog <laughs> uh, so eloquently put it now this uh, we, we talked about this briefly in our discord with some patrons earlier this week and um john actually replied at the time and said that he charges his mcdonald's at a local charging his, point his he at- charges his mcdonald's well, he charges his car while he's at the McDonald's, and he says he get twenty minutes gets him up to eighty percent of charge. So we eat and charge, he says. Uh, and when tra- when traveling long distances, it works out better to charge to eighty percent anyway because it's better for the battery. So, so that's good. And there's also precedent from outside of the UK. Of course, Luke uh, was one of the people who said in the Netherlands there is a, a big branch of roadside hotels and restaurants and things called Van der Volk, which is I hope I've not mispronounced that, Luke. Apologies if I I have. Uh, It's got a toucan as a logo, he says. And they made a deal early on with Tesla to put charging stations in their parking spots so you can charge your car while getting a coffee or lunch or dinner or something. So there is a demand for this. My my intrigue is really that it's a McDonald's drive-through because sort of the whole point of a drive-through is that you drive through it, you don't wait. So if you're actually driving through it and then sitting at the restaurant, then why are you driving through? Otherwise, you're just sitting in a car park. That sounds depressing. Yeah, but the, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, there are, there are several use cases for drive-throughs. Um, for, for most people, it's probably just they don't want to sit in the restaurant and have a, you know, have to order. They just want to press a button, give the order, pick the food up, it's done. They don't want to stand around. They still need to eat the food. And unless they're going somewhere very close, then it makes, you know, it makes sense to have them just then sit in the car park and eat their food in their car. I'm very much of the opinion that the more electricity outlets you have for cars the better because obviously a lot of the things stopping people from buying electric cars are oh i won't be able to get where i'm going i have to keep stopping to recharge blah 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 you know all of that's true and you know that obviously there are limitations to electric cars they can only go a certain distance before needing to be recharged but um the the, the more of these places you have the less of a problem that becomes you know you, you you're on your way up the motorway um, you know, so you want to you want to stop and have a quick break because that, that's very common. And you know, twenty minutes is probably realistically how long it takes you to get out of the car, get the kids out of the car, go inside, have a use a loo, um, maybe buy some snacks for the journey back, and then you know, so you've you've already added on an extra I don't know certain amount of miles. It obviously, depends on the car and the, the speed of the charger. So it's it's sort of chipping away at this sort of problem with electric cars, which is there's a range anxiety. Uh, so you know having them everywhere is a really good idea um so ultimately i feel like we should have them literally everywhere and that would be great so john says in the chat that his um his battery in his electric car is 40 kilowatt range as a rule uh the teslas are 100 kilowatts now i think basically what tesla did was they went right we're just going to put the same battery in every car kind of um so it's it's it's, they're largely around 100 kilowatts would be my understanding um so what 
what you've got is probably because you can get to 80% of a battery very quickly the you know the bigger the battery the more you can put in very quickly obviously there is a limit to that um but you know with these fast chargers that means that you can actually add in a surprising amount of range to a car in 20 minutes now of course it's not as quick as going to a petrol station and squeezing in 300 or 400 miles worth of petrol in 5 minutes but you know what i, I you know i often think why why am i in a rush what what is what is the rush and the answer to that is almost always that i left it too late you know, I'm I'm always leaving things too late. I can't do anything about that. That's the ber- very core of who I am as a human. I am incredibly bad at doing things. And when I do them, I- I'm in a rush. Not, I'm not bad at doing them when I'm doing them, but I, I leave everything till the last minute. It causes all sorts of problems in your life when you do that. Um, but I don't think you can... I don't, can I be retrained? I don't know. Let's find out. I'm going to submit myself to a battery of uh, unregulated scientific tests to determine whether or not the human brain can be reprogrammed to do things four weeks before they're needed rather than three minutes before the absolute last deadline. We had a lot of listeners requesting that we talk about this next story. Uh, The BBC was one of many outlets that wrote that the UK is going to spend about £400 million on a stake in the failed satellite firm OneWeb as part of a plan to replace what it uses uh, some of the EU's Galileo SatNav system for. Now, OneWeb went bankrupt in March while trying to build a network of spacecraft that could deliver broadband around the world. And Business Secretary Alok Sharma said it would help deliver the first UK sovereign space capability. Oh, God. Hold that thought for the moment, because we need to expand on this a little bit. The UK is going to buy a large part of this bankrupt company, OneWeb. 45% of it, in fact, according to my colleagues covering this this week at Bloomberg. And another 45% uh, will go to India's Bahati Enterprises. We'll include a link to all of these stories as well on uktechshow.com. Just check the show notes for episode 211. But we need to step back a little bit and remind ourselves what the EU's Galileo service does and why we need to replace it. Galileo is one of many global, well, not many, but a few global navigation systems that provide several services. These are things like your smartphone's mapping, uh, of course, as well as some military function too. And it was created partly so that Europe wasn't beholden to using the US's GPS or the Russian uh, Gl- GLONASS, isn't it? GLONASS, GLONASS, I think it's called, which are the, sort of the main two. But then obviously when the UK left Europe, we also lost access to certain important elements of Galileo. For consumers, this is less problematic because the devices that use the Galileo satellites, that includes our phones, will continue to. It's just it's open and, and there's chips built into the phones that just use Galileo. It's fine. So that won't be affected. And that's because they don't need to be quite as precise as they need to be for the military, nor do they need to use things like encryption. So for basically anyone listening to this, there's no need to worry. It's a non-event. It's not even really a consumer yeah. story. We're talking about it because we were asked to. Um, and, it, and it is important, really. Um, but for precise and encrypted location information, for stuff that's going to be used by the military and relied on by military for security stuff, things that can't be tampered with or rather can't be um, you know, spoofed, Britain is going to get cut off. So we needed a replacement. OneWeb, simultaneous, this is 
in the big picture. OneWeb is a company that was founded in 2012. It's actually co-headquartered between London and California. It was created to launch hundreds of satellites into low Earth orbit and provide internet access to anyone, anywhere. It raised somewhere close to $2 billion, I think. But in March this year, it's ran out of money and an overwhelming majority of its staff were laid off and it went bankrupt. It only launched actually about 70 of the satellites into orbit out of a planned 650 or something. That's where our government got interested because on the one hand it said well we're running out of time to use the important Galileo stuff from the EU and on the other hand they're seeing this semi-British company going bankrupt but had a bunch of satellites in orbit and so the genius idea was why don't we spend nearly half a billion pounds to buy this bankrupt company in order to use their satellites and their technology to replace what we're losing from Galileo. So that's what it did. Now onto the criticisms. Uh, one major bone of contention is that the kind of satellites used by OneWeb are too small and in too low an orbit. They're actually about 1,200 kilometers up and put that into context that's about 20 times almost 20 times closer to earth than gps or, or galileo which are about twenty thousand mm. kilometers up and they're a hell of a lot smaller because the payloads that they have on board are not they weren't designed to do what the gps ones were designed to do um but like someone said it, it basically seems like someone said there's a bunch of satellites up there going cheap let's chuck some navigation stuff on there uh, and some experts have said that's naive and misguided and technically probably unfeasible but if it works like the government seems to think it could, then it could turn out overall to be cheaper than developing and launching an entire replacement system from scratch and could be a great gamble. It just seems to have the odds stacked against them. So, well, that's the, I mean, that's the that's the news. And Galileo yeah. will still be fine for our phones and our car GPSs yep. and stuff like that. That's not what's being replaced. It is for military and secure applications because we won't have access to that uh, from Galileo after the uh, the transition period ends. Yeah, and I mean, that that is fair enough. I do think it's important because every time you see this reported on, it is, it is very much written as, oh, the UK wants its own GPS system. And everyone's like, why? That doesn't make any sense. And, you know, from a consumer perspective, they're absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, when it comes to other applications, fair enough. The problem, I think, for us here is that we don't really know what the military applications are or or what they require in order to function. I suppose part of me wants to just outright dismiss it and say that the government clearly is moronic, which they clearly are, um, but for different reasons, uh, and that they have absolutely no logical way of making this work. But I, I have a feeling that perhaps there is some something to this. They must have had some inclination or some information from advisors. I'm laughing in my head as I say that. Um, that, 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 that it was possible to make this into something useful. Otherwise, why spend half a billion quid on it? Um, so it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to criticise if, if they know what they're doing. I think the, the, the argument would have to be that they almost certainly don't know what they're doing and this will end up with another wasted 500 um, million quid uh, going pretty much down the space shitter I th well i'm 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 inclined I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you that your devil's advocate voice which is that to spend this amount of money on it some clever people must have told some people in charge of budgets that actually this is a good idea and i'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt because 
this is a company that's been around for eight years it has launched satellites mm. successfully into orbit like there's there's knowledge there are employees probably who'll have their jobs saved as part of this now uh, as well um and it's not just the uk you know india will own basically half of this as well so there's a potential <laughs> for two entire governments and countries so, i don't know how this qualifies as a uh, in quotes sovereign british system but i mean that's a stupid argument anyway that i've not bought into so i'm all for it um i just i just laugh you know we're, yeah. we're gonna do this th- britain's gonna do this thing yay go britain uh with the help of the indians which is fine but uh, the whole point of this is oh it just it just drives me insane and i know we don't do politics but we're inevitably going to have to at some point mention the fact this is stupid and we could have just carried on paying for galileo which we've already paid for so, you know, saying to the EU, OK, part of our exit deal is going to be that we are going to have access to Galileo. We'll continue to throw money into it as necessary. Why not just do that? It's absolutely stupid. Because we can't have access to Galileo. It's not that we're just yeah, not we, going to have pay for no, it. No, we could. If, if, we would, if we negotiated it, we could have had it. They would have let us, I'm sure. Part of what Galileo's uh, advanced and, and, and precise technology can do is is it can navigate down to the centimeter level as opposed yeah. to about a meter or something for gps it's like a hundred t- by that measurement about a hundred times more accurate which does make a big big difference when you are targeting space lasers to um annihilate yeah. um things on behalf of a state sanctioned murder order i don't know yeah but, but the fact is like we've i think we've told the eu that we don't want to we don't want to use it because we don't want to be involved in anything super secure that we didn't develop and we do but we, we did develop it we we it, we provided experience and expertise and we have some really good space scientists don't we we have a lot of satellite engineers in this country and all of that would have been and i remember there being a big discussion about this at the time that you know we as a as a nation were extremely involved in galileo um and it, and it probably is probably going to be a success based on that and I, I i i do completely understand the argument that we can't rely on things that not you know we're not part of anymore but we could have continued to be part of it as we could have been part of the you know we need to be part of the european nuclear agency because we need to be able to get isotopes and we need to be able to do research and that can be done much more effectively in a pan-european sense than it can be in a stupid island sense that's politics and that's why we don't talk about it on this show normally (laughs) that is true um they are our thoughts on this uh you are one one hour four minutes for your uh cutting out of my swearing (laughs) yes sorry um this is yes well anyway i mean it is political but i like to think that we are a bubble we are a bubble we talk about we are how did i exploit andy when i was younger and you know where are you going to take a dump off the shetland isles um that's normally <laughs> what we talk about um yes but apparently this week we had something more important to talk about but well yeah if you have thoughts on any of this of course you can send them to uk tech show at icloud.com You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter.
Well, let's hear what's been coming out of the mouth of Tom Merritt, who I'm sure is busy enjoying his 4th of July celebrations, but nonetheless prepared in advance to tell us what we've been missing this week on Daily Tech News Show. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we celebrate the unilateral withdrawal of the colonies from the kingdom on Friday, so no show. But the rest of the week includes why Facebook won't lose money due to the ad boycott, the state of the decentralized internet, Discord's pivot away from gaming, and a new and improved way to face swap in video from Disney. All that and much more as we head into Security Week at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Ian, it's been a delight to be spending this time with you, as it always is at this time. Yes. On a Sunday. Um, is the feeling mutual? Of course it's mutual. Good. It's great. We have a nice chat. I usually start feeling a bit dozy, and by the end, I feel like I've been invigorated and my lust for life has returned. Good. If, if there's nothing more than I like ingesting, like just putting lust into you in a, in a day. <laughs> well, consider me lustified. Excellent. I'm feeling very lustful as well. Uh, and thank you to our patrons, of course, especially those today listening to us live. We've got a whole bunch of people live we've got andy we've got john kv mike we've got pangolin sandwich we've got richard taylor it's been a wonderful afternoon and i'm feeling well lustful now thank you ian and we've done we've done actual radio you might argue if it, if we'd been given a slot on radio one i mean that would have been fairly entertaining for a percentage of the audience oh, i do wish I, someone would give me a radio show i mean it's not that i feel particularly confident about running a radio show but i would do love radio i would love to work in radio yeah. I was thinking the other day about how nice it would be to live for 400 years just so you could do, like, four distinct careers. Yeah. You know, start with one, have a go at another. That would be wonderful. Goodbye, everybody. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.